Welcome to StartupCTO.io, the podcast where Miles Mathias and Kevin Owaki interview engineering leaders about management, startups, and software, because your CS degree didn't teach you to lead. And now, StartupCTO.io. For tuning in this week. Our interview this week is with Andy Pai, VP Engineering at Full Contact here in Boulder. Uh, this is one of the interviews from our How to CTO event at Boulder Startup Week, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. Okay, great. So, Andy Pai, tell us about yourself and your company. Uh, so, I'm a VP of Engineering over Platform at, I think it's on, uh, at Full Contact. So, Full Contact, um, we try and make it easy for people, professionals and, and businesses, to connect with people that matter to them most. And so, what that means is, um, in the case of businesses, we have lots of data products and services to help companies connect with their customers and prospects, and on the professional side, <laughs> We have Edgebook applications to help manage contacts and help people stay connected to people. Um, our engineering is divided into two halves, applications, data, and I said over the data side. Sweet. And how long has Full Contact been around? So Full Contact went through Techstars in 2011, I okay. um, I'd say we kind of really hit our stride in our modern form around three years ago, three or four years ago. Cool. And how big is the engineering team? Uh, on my side, we're about 25 people. And then the other side? About 15. Okay, cool. Um, so I wanted to ask you as well about education. You have your MBA from CU Boulder, go Buffs. Um, what are your thoughts on engineers getting MBAs to become leaders? Is it a requirement? Uh, something you look for or no? Or what, what are the pros and cons there? Yeah. So I think if, if you want to run a company, if you want to be on the executive team of a company, I think it's very helpful um, in that you spend some time just immersing in the theory of running a business. Um, you learn the language and the lingo and the terminology, and so you can kind of speak that MBA language. Um, in terms of just kind of tactical value, uh, there's probably not a whole lot of it because the MBA program doesn't really teach you how to run a business. It teaches you, teaches you to think theoretically about a business. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you feel is a strong requirement, or are there other ways to get what you learned at an MBA program uh, that you've seen people pick up from other ways? Yeah, so I don't think it's a requirement at all. Um, I have a couple of, of managers right now that were considering taking an MBA. I encourage them to go to Coursera instead. Um, uh, the Wharton School at University of Pennsylvania actually has a really good intro to business series. Um, they started out, did a, a marketing course, did a finance course, um, accounting. And so that was a really great way to get in for a really cheap price. Um, I tell people, if, if you take any one MBA course, take a marketing course. Um, a lot of people are like, what, marketing? Like, I don't really care about advertising and all that. But if you think, that, the way marketing is positioned in an MBA program is more like product management and product strategy. So it teaches you how to think about the market, how to segment the market, um, how to think about the people there and position products for them specifically. So it's much more a product education than a, than a marketing communications one. That's good advice. Uh, so I know Full Contact is a multi-country workforce. Uh, that's still are, right? Yeah. Yeah, cool. Good. So um, what led to that decision and how do you manage all, all that? So we've um, come by our remote offices through acquisitions, and so we found um, companies out there that were doing things that were on our near-term roadmap, and it just was cheaper to require them 
than to go build these things out ourselves. Uh, one of those is a mobile application firm that was formerly called Cobook in Riga, Latvia, and so they're now part of the full contact uh, family. And then another one called Profoundus in India um, that was doing a lot of kind of data research, data management uh, type activities. Uh, in terms of working with remote offices, you know, we might, you know, we don't outsource to offshore companies, right? We have remote offices. As part of the acquisitions, the, the top leaders of the companies actually relocated to Denver. And so we have them in our Denver headquarters. That's helped tremendously because we have kind of a known and trusted person on the Denver side who access that bridge out of the remote offices. Um, I don't know how we would do it without some arrangement similar to that. Were they receptive to that idea or was that hard to try to, like a long process to try to get that done? They were, at least as far as I know, very receptive to it. Um, <laughs> okay, <laughs> both, cool. Both of those acquisitions happened prior to my joining Full Contact. Okay, cool. Um, so you guys are a pretty interesting mix of consumer and enterprise products. So how does your decision-making process work in terms of product and roadmap and engineering and all that? Yeah, that's challenging. Um, so we have, we have our consumer and professionals products that are web and, and mobile applications on one side, and then we have data products delivered by APIs largely on the other side. Both of those rely on a data management and identity resolution uh, technology core. And so it's kind of like we have three pieces of, of the technology work. Um, it, it's, it's not always easy. I mean, I, th I think we do a pretty good job on the, the corporate and product strategy side, and, and that helps a ton. And so, you know, for the next probably nine months, six to nine months, we at least think we know what we're going to do, right? And the, that helps us uh, uh, make decisions pretty efficiently, um, but it, it definitely gets challenging at times. Got it. Uh, how do you evaluate, you know, the priority? I mean, the value to an enterprise is obviously going to be valued differently to a consumer, so... How do, how do, if you sit down and you're like, okay, what are the next six to nine months gonna look like? How do you value what's the priority, you know, between those two segments? Yeah, so, I mean, within a product line, um, it's maybe a little bit easier because we can compare apples to apples, revenue to revenue, or whatever the metric might be. When you're looking at the different product lines, you know, we, we, try, and, we try and weigh the decisions more towards relative um, revenue generated by the product lines, and so we know you know, we're going to put, say, for example, 60% of our engineering effort on one side, 40% on the other side. Um, and we try and stick pretty close to that. Okay, cool. Uh, so what advice do you have for hiring uh, engineers? So I guess it, the way I like to think about it, so I, I think everyone's probably familiar with the, the notion of the T-shaped individual, right? So a, a thin strip of, of kind of uh, breadth knowledge and then some deep knowledge in one other area. I tend to think of it more of a, a T-shaped organization, right, where you have engineers who like to go deep on probably many of subjects, and you have kind of upper management that really likes a breadth-first approach but can't really get deep on anything. So, you know, in hiring, um, or at least I'm in interviewing, you know, I, I like the engineers to go in and go deep on technical subjects. Um, I personally will ask a candidate to sit down, um, describe a problem from end to end, and see how they think kind of breadth-wise across it, and then just probe for soft spots along the way. Um, and that will inform me of areas that the engineers who really want to go into the deep technical interviews to where they should be pressing out. Right. That's really interesting. Um, how do you evaluate the technical side of it? So I completely rely on my engineers to do that. Okay, got it, got it, cool. Um, so do you have any advice for engineers wanting to become an engineering leader? Um, yeah, you know, I would say um, 
that's of interest to you, you know, kind of know, know your audience here um, and know who's going to give you the opportunity to do that, at least if you're in a company that you want to move up, you know, to that position in, um, ask for it, first of all. You know, no, one, no one can read your mind. Um, yeah. And two, you know, take on and own some leadership type responsibilities without necessarily being asked for it, right? And if someone can see you already operating in that mode, it becomes really easy to connect the dots mentally between what you're doing today and where you could be in, in a leadership role tomorrow. That's really good advice. Um, so what are some things that your team does really, really well and why is that? So I think my team is really good at, um, I guess taking ownership of their respective areas. Um, I find it really easy to, to uh, delegate authority to my team and have them kind of take things and run with it. Um, I think because of that, we're able to do a lot of different things between you know, consumer applications and you know, data API products uh, pretty effectively. That's awesome. What are some things that your team is working on improving? You know, um, this will probably come back in the, the engineering philosophies question, but uh, you know, I think that engineering, at least as it exists in business, is a, is a human problem to solve as well as a technical problem, right? You know, we kind of sit between the people who are, who are selling the value and, and the people who are consuming the value that we're delivering it in the middle there, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, I've completely lost track of your question. No, it's okay. <laughs> so what, what are some of the things that they're not so great at that you're trying to get better? Right, you yeah, know, so like what are the things you're in your process that you're like, we, we need to make this better? Um, you know, I think one thing we've done poorly is we've optimized our organizational structure and our operations, our engineering operations, to meet our needs as opposed to meeting our customers' needs, which could be our product teams and our customers and our customer service people. Yeah. You know, I think we really need to understand who who are our customers, and our direct customers really are kind of customer service who we're providing support to, and product who we're delivering the product to. Um, and we've probably made it more difficult for them uh, than we need to in terms of. You know, trying to figure out who to communicate when a bug is found, trying to figure out you know, how to organize work across multiple teams, and things like that. Got it. Uh, so what are your engineering values? So the, the one that's most top of mind today is, is this notion that you know, we're, we're, we live in a human world, and, and engineering as applied in that world is, a, is kind of a human thing, right? And so you know, I, I really encourage people to build strong human relationships with their direct reports, with the end users and consumers of the products they're building, with their product team members, right? And really try and make those people's lives better through what you do, as opposed to just feeling like it's a you know, more sterile interface where you're just kind of handing work back, back and forth. That's good advice. Uh, any engineering war stories? <laughs> um, kind of a funny story, I don't know if this is a war story, but um, you know, in, a, in my human approach to engineering, I, I sometimes like to, to leak little Easter eggs into our production software, which <laughs> I don't encourage anyone doing. <laughs> but uh, there was one case where, um, this was a startup a few years back, and there were, there were only a few of us, and um, the woman who, who was doing most of the account management and customer service, um, we decided to put a little joke into the software that would make it look like there was a huge problem, and then give her a little message that's like, haha, just joking. <laughs> this sounds like a great one. Yeah, so, <laughs> so what we didn't know was that she knew HTML and CSS, and she, she went in and actually hacked up the web page and came back to us and said, that was really funny, but you totally screwed up all of our customers' data. 
Look at this. <laughs> <laughs> you had that coming. You had that coming. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, so, last question: Where can people find you online? Um, same as some of the others, old school uh, LinkedIn or Andy at FullContact.com. Awesome. Thank you very much, Andy. Thanks for listening. Find us at startupcto.io or on Twitter at startupcto.io. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next episode.